Give me a copy of the words. <coughs> Does everybody have a copy of the sheet? Good morning, everyone. So this is a chance to um, use elements from uh, liturgy to try to cultivate a wholesome mind state. So as I mentioned last night, the basic practice is to pay attention clear, unbalanced, clear, balanced, unjud- non-judgmental attention uh, to each moment of experience. And in order to do that, it's helpful uh, uh, sometimes to cultivate particularly wholesome states of mind. So a mind that is uh, filled with thankfulness, a mind that's filled with a sense of grace, a mind that's filled with a sense of, oh, hallelujah, praise, a sense of praise for what's arising, is more able to... to uh, notice what's happening in each moment. And in addition, one way to look at uh, the intention of the prayer uh, from a Jewish perspective might be to try to use the prayers to attune ourselves to the Divine Presence. So, as I mentioned last night, a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, founder of Hasidism, that everything is God, nothing but God, uh, can, can we use the prayer service to try to attune ourselves to how the divine is manifesting in this moment? Or another way of thinking about it might be that we're uh, trying to use practices to align ourselves with the way things are unfolding instead of being in opposition and out of sync with uh, the truth of things, the truth of how life is, the truth of how being is unfolding. And then this is also a form of using prayers to, to reinforce uh, the general uh, contemplative practice we're doing, which is to pick an object of focus, to bring the attention to the object of focus, and to try to sustain the attention. So we'll, we'll, uh, I'll introduce each of the prayers we're going to do this morning, and then we'll chant. And when we're doing the chant uh, with those words, you, you use it as a, as a meditative tool. So you try to bring your attention to the chant, try to stay with the words and the melody, and if you find yourself commenting on the chant or wishing it was, you know, why, didn't, why aren't we having breakfast before the chanting, I'm too hungry to do it, whatever, you notice things going on in the mind. When you notice that, you go, oh, let me go back, back to the chant, back to the melody, and bring your attention back. So in that sense, it's a way just of continuing this practice of bringing your attention into the present moment. Only now the present moment will focus on the words and the sounds of the chant as they move through our bodies. We're going to uh, ch- start with the third chant on this sheet, Ein Od Milvado. So this is a, uh, a line from the Torah that uh, I've adapted a little bit for this purpose. So, and I, I want to introduce it again with a comment of the Baal Shem Tov. So this comes from a line in the Torah that says, Ata Haretza Ladaat Ki Yud Vav Huha Elohim. So I think it's Moses again speaking to the people, and he's saying to the people, you have been shown directly, you've been shown directly in order that you might know 
that yud hey vav hey, that four-letter combination, which we usually call a name of God, you have been shown, in order that you might know, that yud hey vav hey, he is the real God. That, that's sort of the literal translation. In some ways, it's a um, fairly chauvinistic, on the simple sense of the word, it's actually a fairly chauvinistic uh, expression. At least that's how I think uh, it might have been meant initially. Uh, there's all sorts of gods, and you've been shown, and, and our God beat all the other gods, so you've been shown that yud Babe, he's the real God, and Baal isn't, and Ashtarte isn't, and this one isn't, and that one isn't. It seems like there's a chauvinistic sense, but in any case, uh, the Jewish tradition is not to take the words literally, or not only literally, but there's something else being taught. That's the basic way of dealing with the Torah since it got written down. We've been explaining how it doesn't really mean what it says. It means this, or it means that, or it means this. So Baal Shem Tov looked at those words, and he said, it doesn't... Uh, so you've been shown, or that you might know, that yod he vav he's the God, and it says, ain od milvado, which probably means there, there is no other one. But he says that's not what it means. Ain od milvado means there's nothing else except yod he vav he. Ain od, there's no, nothing else. So it's another way to understand the Hebrew... And, and it's out of that, that's one of the lines he used to teach, that it's all God and nothing but God. And you've been shown that directly, that, that you might know that there's nothing outside of God. It's, all, it's just being unfolding. Because that's all the Yud and the He and the Bav He is pointing at. It's just being unfolding. And you've each been shown that directly in order that you might know there's nothing outside of what is. And what is is like this, and we're trying to tune ourselves uh, to what is. So I took the first part of that verse, ain, uh, some of those words, ain od milvado, there's nothing other than the divine, ain od, nothing else except this unfolding of being. And then I changed the next part of the phrase. Traditionally, if you hear this chant, if you learn it in most places in the Jewish world, the chant with this melody will finish. Uh, Yahu Elohim, or the name Yud Hey Bave, or some people will say Adonai, because we have a tradition with those four letters, the Yud and the Hey and the Bav and the Hey, to not pronounce them. Uh, I think which is a recognition already that it's not really, you can't have a name that's describing the totality of what is. <laughs> a name doesn't work. So we have a tradition, anyways, not to say the Yud and the Hey and the Bav and the Hey, not to pronounce it as a name. Uh, but since it's written in the prayers, you have to say something. So most people say, in the Jewish world, say Adonai. When they get to those four letters, they replace those four letters with the name Adonai, which means Lord. And it's, a, it's fulfilling this uh, teaching not to, that you can't say the name out loud, and so it uses a replacement. But uh, it's a replacement I choose not to use anymore. Most of my colleagues as well, uh, a lot of my colleagues. Because Adonai has this sense that what God is is this Lord or King. So the root, the old root metaphor in Judaism for for God really was God as King. So if you're God's the King, you call the King Lord. But it's not a metaphor I use. The metaphor I use is that what God is is being, which is what those letters actually are pointing towards. So I don't say Adonai in the prayers. If you're if you're accustomed to say Adonai, feel free to do that. I use different replacements. So one is Yah, it's a traditional name from the Jewish, uh, in Judaism. So when you say Hallelujah, you're saying praise Yah. And it's the first two letters of those four letters, so it's sort of closer to that name. 
But there are other ways of uh, other replacements as well, which I'll mention in the next next chant or the one after it. In any case, though, the verse says Yud Hey Vavei Hu HaElohim. He's the God. So, because I'm very sensitive to language and how it molds the mind and molds our pictures of reality, so I change that phrase, uh, which the way you normally hear it is. You know, Adonai Hu Elohim, or Yud Heh He is the God, which lends itself to that chauvinism. Uh, so I replaced it with the formula Yud Heh Eloheinu, that Yud Heh is our God. That, that's the formulation you'll find in the Shema, which is an important prayer we're going to also do every morning. Uh, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, or Yud Heh Eloheinu. Yud Heh is our God, as opposed to Yud Heh He is the God. So I wanted to drop the direct object of the... Uh, I, I wanted to drop the gender, that he is the God. I wanted to drop the the. So this unfolding of being, this is our God. It's, it's all of our... It's, it's what we all are. We're trying to, trying to attune ourselves to that. So that's enough introduction for this chant. Ain od milvado. And so I'm going to say for the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He in this chant, I'm going to change the letter, the order of the letters, and use the use the term Havaya, which is those same four letters mixed up uh, as a way of referring to this four-letter name. So I'm going to say Havaya Eloheinu, Ein Od Milvado Havaya Eloheinu. So as you chant the words, now try to make the intention in your mind that you might see that everything that's unfolding inside of you and outside of you that's all part of the one oneness of being
just keep the words going even when the guitar leaves. silent space, let the words move in your mind, or just experience each moment opening to the possibility that whatever you're experiencing is a manifestation of the divine in that moment. our prayers in the next chant it happens to be the first chant on the sheet we can use our prayers we can use our chant we can use this whole retreat time together to explore what's the relationship between this uh, one, this uh, unfolding of being that everything is a part of and uh, this sense of me the sense of a separate identity that most of us have most of the time What's the relationship between me, this sense of me, and this unfolding of being, this divine presence? So we have these words. This happened to be a teaching of a Hasidic Rebbe who said, Hello, Chayani, I am alive. What is this aliveness? So we all have this sense of an aliveness. And we have a sense of an I having this experience of being alive. I am alive. And this Rebbe asks us to look at this sense of aliveness. Phil, I'm alive. What is this aliveness? And he said, isn't this aliveness itself the Holy Blessed One? So we can use these chants to focus in on the quality of aliveness, what it feels like to be alive, what it feels like to have a sense uh, of an identity, of a me uh, that's doing this aliveness, but we can also look at the aliveness and say, now what is this aliveness? Did I make this aliveness happen? Am I controlling this aliveness? What's the relationship between this aliveness and me? Isn't it all the Holy Blessed One? Isn't it all this divine being unfolding? And so, again, one, one last comment about language uh, for this this chant. So the way it came to us was, who is this aliveness I am? So you have the sense, then you ask this question, who is this aliveness? So the question who, if you ask about this aliveness, who is this aliveness, 
the question using the word who narrows down the search. So, for example, if you say, what is this aliveness? Yeah, I think you can feel it right away. If you start to ask, what is this aliveness? You go looking after it in a different way than if you ask, who is this aliveness? If you say, who is this aliveness? Then it's going to be a who. You're going to have a sense of a... And who is a reference to us human beings. So I like to play with the language. So sometimes I'll say, who is this aliveness? Sometimes I'll say, what is this aliveness? And one year I was teaching these chants with my friend Sheila Weinberg, and she said in some ways that even a better question in terms of the approach of mindfulness meditation is, how is this aliveness? captures a little bit more of the process. Oh, what, how is this process of aliveness unfolding? You know, how, does it, how does it unfold? What's it like? Who is it? What is it? How is it? I am alive. I am alive. I am alive, I am alive, and what is this aliveness I am, and how is this aliveness I am, and who is this aliveness I am, is it not the Holy Blessed One? I am alive. 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 I am alive.
space now, try to directly experience the quality of aliveness. Just explore it. How does it, how does it manifest? What are the different aspects of aliveness? How, how does it present itself to you? Just feeling the aliveness that's in this body, this very morning, this very moment. Look at one more chant in an introductory sense. These these three chants that uh, we're starting with are all sort of appended to the morning service, uh, to a traditional morning service uh, from a Jewish perspective, uh, because I wanted to use them to frame this to frame the search for the prayers as a, as a search uh, to try to explore uh, who am I, what is the divine, and what's the intersection. So we started with it's all God, then we started with a sense of an I am and wondering what this I am is, and now bring it together uh, with a chant that happened to be the second chant on the sheet, Shaviti Yudhe Babhe Lenegdi Tamid, another line from the uh, Torah, which traditionally would have been translated, uh, I'd place... And then you have those four letters, the Yud and the He and the Bab and the He. So normally you'd say, I placed Yud, He, Bab, He uh, in front of me at all times. That's sort of the literal tra- translation. And uh, in some traditional households, they fulfill it sort of as a literal obligation by uh, making an art form with those four letters, the Yud and the He and the Bab and the He. You make an artistic thing uh, with those letters and other verses and you have called a shiviti, and you put it on a wall in your house, and that way, you know, at any given moment, you can say, oh, there it is. I'm keeping the yud and the hay and the bab and the hay in front of me at all times. But uh, I think no matter how literal you might take that verse and make a form like that, I think everybody understands that it's not about the art form. The, the point of the verse, I think, universally understood within Judaism is that 
is, is, is the focus on the word always, that you want to always have a sense of the divine presence. Uh, and we can play even with those words, this idea of uh, the, the divine presence being sort of outside of me and in front of me. Uh, we can, uh, the words have another sense of them too. Uh, so neged, when it says lenegdi, opposite me, uh, there's a way of understanding the opposite as not being separate and different from you. And so if we link this, this teaching with uh, what, uh, the practice we already started doing about sort of noticing that the divine breath, the yud and the hay and the vav and the hay, is this experience of, is in some ways nothing other than the experience of the breath coming in and going out. Uh, and that that being a metaphor for the yud and the hay and the vav and the hay then is a metaphor for this process of how everything is uh, in this pattern of uh, coming in and going out and coming in and going out. So if you think about the breath in that sense, uh, the breath we breathe in, uh, oxygen, um, gets used inside the system, then you breathe out uh, carbon dioxide. But the carbon dioxide, uh, the plant kingdom is taking in, the is, that's the in-breath for the carbon dioxide. Uh, and, and it follows directly the metaphor uh, for the creation of human beings that comes in the second chapter of Genesis, that human beings were created when God breathed into the dust of the earth. So if God breathed into the dust of the earth, was that an out-breath or an in-breath? So it's only a matter of perspective, whether it's an out-breath or an in-breath. And, uh, and so just like that with the plant kingdom and the human kingdom... What, the, what this teaching is really suggesting is that everything is is in reciprocal relationship with everything else that is. So then if we look at the words yud he lenegdi, opposite me, what we're, re- we're really saying is God is the out to my in, the in to my out, the empty to my full, the full to my empty, and uh, there's no... The outside and the inside are one uh, inter, inter-being, one... So that's what I have in mind when I chant these words. Shiviti yudhe bhavay lenegdi tamid. I'm trying to remind myself always that I am in this reciprocal relationship with everything else in the universe. That ultimately it's a, it's a oneness, but it has this polarity to it of in and out and empty and full. Shiviti
space, but either just keep the words of the chant going to keep calming the mind and returning to an object of focus, or you could just be with the breath coming and going, just experiencing whatever's arising. Notice that whatever's arising is arising and passing, and arising and passing, and arising and passing. So having set the intention to utilize our prayer practice to get in touch with the divine flow in the universe, to attune to it, to awaken to it, to explore the relationship between that flow and what we perceive as ourselves. One more introductory prayer. Uh, to enter more traditional liturgy, and that is a prayer that we're taught to say uh, as the first words when we wake up, oh, moja ani, I'm thankful. Another good quality to uh, allow mindfulness to be present is to cultivate a mind that's full of gratitude. So to, the fourth chant has a, some traditional language that uh, uh, Jewish people use for this morning blessing, moja ani lefanecha. Oh, I'm thankful before you. I'm thankful before you. And uh, we're going to stop there with the chant. It goes on a little bit, and maybe tomorrow we'll use some more words. In fact, we're going to boil it down just to the first two words. Just to say, ani, I'm thankful. And Hebrew is a uh, gender-based language, so if you consider your gender to be feminine, then you could say, ani, if you want it to be consistent with in Hebrew. So, it just means I am ani as I, moda or moda is thank, thankful. So you're saying I'm thankful, or thankful am I, moda ani. 
just take a moment in the silence to see if you're thankful. The truth is, at any given moment, you maybe you're thankful, maybe you're not thankful. So, uh, so we're trying to cultivate a sense of thankfulness. One way to do that is actually think about something that you are thankful for. And when you use the chant, we're using the chant to cultivate thankfulness. Sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. Can't always call that feeling forward, but you can use the words to try to do that. I'm thankful. So think of something that you are thankful for, and that might just remind you what that quality feels like, and you're trying to cultivate that feeling in your body, a feeling of thankfulness. This melody uses just those two words. It works as a round. So if you feel like uh, you learn when you learn the melody, if you want to start doing it as a round, uh, it'd be really nice for the group. And it, this happens to be written in a major key. So sometimes a, a major key in terms of melody also has a little bit of uplift compared to the minor keys. You can see if you feel that. Mode, mode, ani. 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 Yeah. 
that one page that I passed out last night. You might uh, take that out so I can uh, refer to it. If you don't, I'll talk you through it anyways. So, those in some ways were all warm-ups to the morning service. So, the morning service, the traditional morning service is uh, set up in four stages uh, that parallel uh, this idea of the divine having a fourfold nature. There's a fourfold nature to what is. And the Jewish prayer service builds off of that tradition uh, and is organized in four parts. So the first part, which refers in terms of these letters, uh, the, the last letter in the four letters, the letter He, uh, is, it could be thought of as a world, it's called the Olamahasiya, the world of doing. So uh, this is the uh, it's the world sort of of doing and a physicality. So in the, in the first levels, we try to attune ourselves to what it's like to have a body and a body that can then act in the world, the body that acts in the world. So first, we're going to attune ourselves to the divine presence as it manifests as an experience of a body, of being an embodied being. And attached to that, there's a there are Hebrew words for talking about that. So. Uh, the four levels we're going to talk about are nefesh, ne- or experience, work with experiencing nefesh, ruach, neshama, and chaya. So nefesh is this body. Uh, those are all soul words. So the body itself is seen as an aspect of, of soul or spirit. So we're going to tune ourselves to the body. Uh, then comes the level of the vav. So uh, in the second section of the prayers, we'll tune our hearts, our feeling. <coughs> Uh, the connective energy of the universe, we'll attune ourselves to that. And the third world of prayer will attune ourselves to the fact that wisdom can arise, that there's knowing, that there's cognition, uh, and that from that perspective we can actually see and know oneness. So there's a oneness aspect to that uh, part of the experience. And then uh, that's called nishama. And then this fourth level is called chaya, means life. And the fourth section of the prayers is sort of attuning to being itself without differentiating. Uh, 
undifferentiated being and has that word life. And that was when, uh, that word life, Chaya, that's also the same word we use in the chant, I am alive. So life is sort of the umbrella term in this uh, hierarchical way of looking at it. Life is sort of the umbrella term for how being is unfolding. And then there's something outside of that. Uh, in the Jewish tradition, uh, I have it written at the very top of the chart, out, not connected to the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He. There's something called Yechida. Uh, so the Jewish mystics intuited that there's four aspects to reality in this reality, and then there's something that's not this reality, uh, not separate, not, uh, not of the conditioned realm. And next to that, I put actually a, a Buddhist sutta, the unborn, the uncreated, the unformed, the unconditioned. There's a teaching in Buddhism that, uh, and th- uh, I learned this from uh, Ajahn Sumedho. Uh, he was citing it sort of as his the sutta. He's a sutta as a, the Buddhist scriptures, a sutta that he uh, works with a lot and is very uh, moved by. And the, the, that sutta, when I heard it from him, I thought, oh, it's just the four worlds <laughs> from Jewish mysticism. So, but the sutta goes because. There's the unborn, the uncreated, the unformed, the unconditioned. It's possible to wake up here in the realm of the born, the created, the formed, the conditioned. So we live in this conditioned realm with these qualities, born, created, formed, conditioned. But there's something outside of that. Uh, And because there's something outside of that, that's why we can wake up. Otherwise, everything would be determined, predetermined. No No free will, no choice, no possibility of awakening. But there's something outside of that. So, but we'll more about that over the two days. So now we're going to just try to attune to having a body. We're going to attune ourselves to the divine presence of having, being an embodied being, character, characterized by the word nefesh. So let's just sit quietly for a minute, feeling our bodies, and then we're going to chant. I'll introduce it to, we'll chant, chant number seven. It'll be the next chant that has the word nefesh in it. So you can just turn to it, but for a moment, just... Feel your nefesh, feel your body, feel what, feel what it's like to have a body this morning. We started with the breath as one aspect of the body, but you could feel your whole body. Just seeing what this body feels like this morning, which happens to be alive as well. So it's a magnificent thing to be an embodied being. It's a tremendous opportunity, a tremendous opportunity to be a living being. Uh, It's a tremendous opportunity to be a living human being. But there uh, there are some aspects about being an embodied being 
which you may have noticed are challenging. Uh, and one of the things that's challenging about being an embodied being is it, what comes along with it is a sense of separateness. So if, if you're going to inhabit a particular region in space, in a particular set of cells, uh, there's the experience of, of separation from the rest of creation. Uh, and that's all inherent in this chant we're going to about to do, Nafshi Cholatahavatecha. So we have, we have this nefesh level. It's, uh, there's nothing bad about this. I'm not saying this in a bad way. But the, the nature of being embodied is that we have the experience of being separate from other bodies as well. It's part of the experience of being alive in a body. So the, the words of the chant go, Nafshi Cholatahavatecha. My nefesh, this, this body level of being an embodied being, is sick for your love. Chola is sick. So, nafti cholat, I'm sick for your love. So, part of the experience of being a separate being, even though it's not the ultimate reality, perhaps, nevertheless, I think we all experience this sense of separateness that comes along with being in a body. And here we're, we're saying, yeah, I'm lovesick. I'm, I'm yearning for connection, because love is... Love is the next world of prayer we're going to talk about, the, the sense of connection. But So we're all yearning for a sense of connection. So, nafshi cholatahava techa. And then the next phrase that's uh, part of that says, ana elna rafanala. So, uh, speaking to God, it says, please, God, please heal this, please. That's please three times. So, ana or na means please. So, I know a lot of you don't speak Hebrew. If you can just sort of hold on to a few of these uh, syllables and what they mean. Na, you're just saying please, please, please. Every time you say na, ana, el na, rafana, la. Please, God, heal her, please. And what we're trying to say in this prayer is, uh, is to bring healing to this sense of separation. And it's not about getting, it's not about ending the sense of separation. It's about allowing this separate sense, the separate being, to experience love. So we're asking for love, really. It's just a prayer, asking that we might have the experience of interconnectedness and love. Nafshi cholat ahabatecha. My nefesh is yearning for love. Please, God, please heal her, please. Ah, 
first part of the service we're trying to attune to having a body, recognizing that I'll come, what comes along with that is the experience of separateness. And even though the prayers are broken up into four worlds, four parts, like the, in this section of the prayers there is a whole focus on the body. If in a traditional liturgy there'd be a whole set of morning blessings where you, uh, uh, where you acknowledge different parts of the body. You have a blessing for getting, for being clothed, a blessing for standing up, a blessing for what it's like to be able to bend over and stand up. They're all blessings about having a body, what it's like to be a body. And then there's that beautiful overall blessing, which uh, thanks God for you thank God for all these vessels, all these tubes inside of us. You know, if one of them would close when it's not supposed to close, we wouldn't be here anymore. It's like so. It's a whole thing about acknowledging the body. So that's this whole first world of prayer. Now, even though it's Separated into these worlds, and are like the next section of prayer is the hallelujahs, it's called Psuke de Zimra. Uh, but even though the there's a looking at it from an individual point of view and a tuning on each level, the worlds interpenetrate. They're not actually separateness. It's just a way of looking at different aspects of reality. So this next chant. Uh, so already, even the, even in the chant we did, we already were saying we feel separate. So we get so we need love, just pointing to the next world. This chant also, which is part of this world, the eighth chant, Elohai Nishama Shinatatabi Tahorahi, which means, that My God, this soul that you've given me, is, uh, she is pure. We're talking about this soul. So, again, this, this prayer is already saying this uh, we have a body, we're an embodied being, uh, but it's sort of looking ahead to the word Nishama, which I, you'll see was the third. That's connected to the third world of prayer on that chart. The, net, the, the, the upper hay, so to speak, if you write it from top to bottom. So uh, even though we're embodied beings, we have a neshama. We have an, now, I understand all these words that come out of the Jewish tradition, nefesh, ruach, and neshama. 
as uh, they're all words that mean soul. You could translate them all as soul. Uh, but I think they're all uh, varying levels of consciousness. And in a certain way, I, 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 the way I see them and experience them actually is sort of uh, uh, like those nesting dolls where one where there's a doll inside a bigger doll inside a bigger doll. So these, these are levels of consciousness that are sort of nested inside of bigger and bigger levels. So we have a body consciousness that's uh, nestled inside of a neshama consciousness, which is bigger. So this prayer is saying we have this, we have a kind of consciousness in this body, and that's what I think neshama is. So, but we're here in this section of the prayers where we're still operating from the place, the relative place of the individuated eye. So here we're going to say Elohai, my God. Uh, a second ago we said nafshi, my nefesh. We're talking about my nefesh, my God. It's very still, uh, in this section of the prayers, there's a definite sense of separateness. And in that separate place, there's me and mine. So here, here it says, Elohai, my God. By the time we get to the third world of prayer, we're going to say Eloheinu. We're going to say our God. It's not going to be so separate anymore. But in this section, we, just, we acknowledge there is a sense of separateness. Uh, so my God, this neshama that you've given me. So this consciousness, we have a kind of consciousness uh, that's an aspect of being a living being, uh, which allows us to pay attention to what's happening in this body. So the body knows what's going on, but then there's a knowingness to what's going on that we could call nishama. And nishama is the seat where wisdom can arise. In my experience, it only arises when we pay attention. It's a, it's a, it's a latent possibility, not wisdom. It's not always manifesting. Nishama is not always manifesting the way it could. But when it does, uh, everything gets clear. And so then you have these words, tohorahi. Uh, it's pure. Uh, I think it's pure in its potentiality. Not always acting out that. It was not always manifesting. But that's what I get from these words. That here we are in a body, but it's possible to wake up because of consciousness, because there's a neshama, uh, kind of an awareness that's in this body, and the potential of that awareness, that is, uh, there's a purity to that. And we see clearly. Kalahain Shamash and Atatabi Tahorahi. Kalahain Shamash and Atatabi Tahorahi. Kalahain Shamash and Atatabi
Noticing this body, noticing the sensations of this body, but appreciating that you have consciousness as well, that can know what's happening in the body. There's the body and there's the knowing of what's happening in the body. fact that we can know what's happening in the body that allows awakening to happen. So then we enter the second world of prayer. In in traditional liturgy it's called Psuke de Zimra, the, the verses of praise. And, uh, and in a traditional prayer book, this is where all the psalms, you find all the psalms in, in, taken from the book of psalms, but then added to the Jewish morning prayer service. So you see all the psalms. And uh, you could summarize the psalms in a certain way with the word hallelujah, uh, which means praise, yeah. So these are the verses of praise. And um, basically what those, well, if you look at the psalms, the Book of Psalms are moments when uh, the individual author was when it was moving through the world, experiencing all the same kinds of things we experience in the world, and at some and it's expressing in the psalm the, the moments when he or she, uh, it's safe to say he in the Book of Psalms, or the male authors, but so the the author is expressing times when when uh, a, a sense of connection to the universe manifested. Uh, so. Uh, it's when uh, it's when when he had some sort of experience where he didn't feel alienated from experience. He felt like, oh, now he sees the divine presence unfolding in this experience. So it's, they're all really moments of connection. So this is the this world is the of prayer and this world of being in this fourfold understanding of being. This is the world of the vav, uh, the vav in the divine name, and the, and the vav in Hebrew is the Hebrew word for and. Uh, and a vav in Hebrew also is the word for hook. So what does a hook do? A hook takes two separate objects, and if they're hooked, now the two objects, uh, they're still separate objects, but then now if this one moves, this one has to move. That's what and is. So the and starts to connect the separateness. So this is the world of the and, the world of the vav, the world of starting to experience connection, which you could also call love. Now love is that force that... Uh, connecting us, connecting things. And so this is uh, the world where we try to experience uh, and attune to the fact that, yes, we're a separate body, but this separate body is connected to other bodies. And when a moment of connection happens and you don't feel so isolated and alone, the word that summarizes that is, oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God, it's not so lonely anymore. Uh, It's fine to be lonely in a body, but it's also great to be connected. So we'll start 
uh, with the, we're going to end with it, it's word too, but we'll start this world of prayer just with a one-word chant, hallelujah. just means praise Yah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. One of the things we can notice in our practice is that when you pay attention to what's happening in your body, so things are happening all the time in your body, but when you pay attention uh, to, how, to what's happening in your body, then there's a connection. There is, this, there is actually a connection that gets made between the function of living that can know things and the things that are arising in the body. When you pay attention, as opposed to ignoring, when you pay attention, you actually connect uh, the knowing function to the, to the embodying function and completely changes how that experience... Uh, I mean, the experience is known, for one thing, but it changes the experience as well. The sense of connection to what's happening allows much more possibility for uh, this sense of hallelujah to arise than, does the, than ignoring what's going on. When we don't pay attention to what's going on, we get more and more alienated. When we pay attention, just the mere paying attention the connecting force manifests differently and uh, much more possible for the experience of love to arise because love needs that connection. So just notice what's happening in your body but try to appreciate what it's like to pay attention, to actually be connected to what's happening in your body for a moment. So the, 
practice of paying attention is in, is, in, is in essence the vav practice, the connecting practice. So paying attention is the connective force. So when we pay attention, we're unifying all four of these worlds. So what happens uh, when we pay attention is that the quality of awareness, uh, within the quality of awareness, uh, knowing can happen, knowing can unfold because we're connecting to what's happening in the body. So we're, we're unifying. That's what the mindfulness does. It unifies these four worlds. Uh, so within awareness, wisdom arises that comes out of connecting or loving what's happening in this body, in, in all of its senses, and, and in everybody else's bodies. So ultimately we're trying to connect not only to what's happening inside, but uh, connect to this flowing being process outside. And the last line of the last psalm, we have in chant number 13, the whole book of psalms, 150 psalms of moments of connection, and the last line of the last psalm sort of sums it up by saying we could we're reaching for a place when, when every moment is connected. Call It's a beautiful transition line into the third world of prayer because we're now we're not only trying to be connected moment by moment, but now we're trying to connect all the moments. And all is sort of the key word for the third world of prayer. So we're transitioning from individual moments of connection into a total sense of connectedness. Call Hanishama to The whole being will be a being of praise. traditional prayer service, this would be the time we'd, we'd enter the, and we are, we'll do now, we're going to enter the third world of prayer. And the third world of prayer uh, is a world where we're no longer praying individually. This, is, uh, this world of prayers is, a, is um, where the, the communal prayer takes the, um, takes the emphasis. So in a traditional prayer service, uh, this is where uh, the uh, sense of a minion, of a group of ten is necessary, and you, uh, you have to have a group of ten people uh, to say the next prayer. So we're going we're gonna to stand up uh, in this prayer. The words are in chant number 15. Uh, because we're, 
saying now is uh, we need the all, the all aspect. Uh, if we're going to understand the oneness of God, this is the oneness of God that comes from understanding the whole web of interconnection. <coughs> and, uh, you need a you need a community that sort of understand on that level. You need to be connected to a community. And coming out of the individual, my God, which is the first level of prayer, because in a moment, as a community, we're going we're to call out and say, it's our God. We're praying on behalf of each other. And, and so the Borhu is a call and response. We're gonna, I'm going to invite you to call out as well. So not just, I won't be the only one calling out. We're calling out to each other uh, to enter this mutual sense of experiencing the divine presence. So the, what the words mean is just saying, um, uh, bless this divine pl- presence, which is really, in fact, a, 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 a presence of blessing. We're just trying to acknowledge the blessedness of being. And the response here is, if you're into the gender stuff, the, uh, there's a feminine gender and masculine gender. Usually those, all of the Hebrew prayers are done in the masculine gender, but the way I've written here, the, we have two versions of the response, and the first one is the feminine form. So feel free to call out however you want to. Mborhu et yam Now try to keep in mind that we're praying together. I mean, we have been all along, but uh, the focus now more is we're praying for our own well-being and each other's well-being. We won't chant this, but I just want to show you for a moment. We're going to move to the Shema just because of where we are in time this morning. But but if you if you notice again, in chant number. 18, which is uh, words from the traditional liturgy, or Hadash al Tzion Ta'ir, says, we say, may a new light shine on Zion. Then it says, Venizke Kulanu, may we all merit uh, this light. The, the nature of the prayers here is we're praying for everybody. May we all merit. Before it was my God, you know, you know uh, may I experience love. Now, it's, now we're praying on behalf of ourselves and each other at the same time. So we get to the Shema. Chant number 21. So, most of you have probably uh, learned that this is you know, one of the most important prayers in Judaism, one of the most important lines. So the literal translation, Shema Yisrael, is uh, listen, pay attention, uh, this was Moses happened. This is also a line Moses was talking to the people, so he's referring to them as Israel. He's saying, "Listen, Israel." He's referring to them in their collective sense. But again, we have this collective sense here. Now we're uh, we're the collective community, and um, what Moses uh, told them to pay attention to was Yud Hey Vav Hey Eloheinu. That this this unfolding of being. It's our God. Again, you have this sense of our here. It's Eloheinu. It's our God. It's not, before it was Elohai, which means my God. And we did that chant, Elohai Nishama. Now it's Eloheinu. That we're praying to our God, not to my God. We're, we're doing it collectively. 
and we're referring to ourselves as the collective. We're being addressed as a collective. Yisrael, the, the community of people that is trying to embrace the divine and wrestle with the divine. Yisrael means to wrestle with the divine. Maybe we'll say more about that later. And this, uh, this unfolding of being that's our God, uh, now here's sort of the big addition in this world of prayer. We re- in this world of prayer, we recognize that this, this God of ours, it's, uh, it, uh, there's the word echad, which is one. So this is the moment in the prayer where we, in our prayers, we're reaching for the place where collectively, collectively we recognize that there's only one event happening in the entire universe. There's a, sing- there's a singular, interconnected, interwoven uh, oneness to being. That everything that is, inter-is. It's a beautiful uh, verb that Thich Nhat Hanh, this is, I, I think, an original contribution of Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, even to the English language, which is not his native language. But uh, he says the English should have another verb. It should have a verb, to inter-be. We inter-are. That, that is not a, it's not a new word, a made-up word, but it's a beautiful word. We inter-are. That's what this oneness, I think, is the way we're, I'm understanding this verse. We're recognizing that we all inter-are. There's only, and there's only one thing inter-aring, because everything inter-is. So, and one way of signifying that, if you happen to be wearing a talus, or, or you can do it metaphorically if you're not, is uh, to show that everything is one. You gather up the multiple corners. You know, you're gathering up your attention, uh, gathering up the four worlds, gathering it all up and bringing it into one. So the, the physical act is just a recapitulation of the, what we're doing with our minds, trying to... And uh, the beautiful thing about this chant, I think, is that... Uh, another beautiful thing is that this secret of oneness... Uh, secret of attaining this oneness is in that first word which is pay attention it just means shema just means it means listen literally but it means pay attention and uh, so this whole practice that's what we're doing we're paying attention with paying attention it's possible to reach a place where it all makes sense where you can see the interconnectedness of being So we're going to chant, uh, we'll do this, we'll do one word, for one breath for each word, so we'll slow it way down. We're going to chant each word for a whole breath. Shema.
silent for the next five minutes for the fourth world of prayer. Some people have accustomed to stand during this period. There's a whole, there is a whole set of words that go along with it, but for today the place I'm trying to direct you is that this fourth world of prayer is a world of uh, being that's sort of outside of the individual words. The words can point us there, but uh, it's just the world of uh, recognizing an awareness, that there's an awareness in which all of this is unfolding. And the awareness is not affected by the unfolding. Things unfold in awareness. So you can just rest in the quality of that there's an awareness of all these other aspects of the body, of love, of wisdom, of words, of concepts, of ideas. All of that's known in awareness. Undifferentiated awareness.
closer to the finish with the chant number 24. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart, I don't like the word be acceptable anymore. I should really have changed it on here by now. I, I say be aligned with. May the words of my mouth and medita- meditation of my heart be aligned with you, my rock and my redeemer. A couple words about this. Those words, rock and redeemer. I think what we're, what, what I'm saying in these words is that uh, when we call God my rock and my redeemer, I think uh, awareness of the truth of what is, awareness of the truth of what is, uh, that's my rock and my redeemer. So when you're aware of the truth of how things are, that's the firm place. That's that's the place you can stand on. What does it mean to be a rock? You're looking for some firm ground to stand on, and the place where you can really rest firmly is awareness. Uh, is and you can trust is awareness of the truth of what is. When you're aware of the truth of what is, uh, that is a solid place, sort of to take your stance, so to speak. And not only that, it's a redeeming force. When you're aware of the truth of what is. Uh, that's a force that can redeem you from a sense of isolation, from separation, from ignorance, awareness of the truth of what is. And that's what we're trying to attune ourselves to, the truth of what is, to take our stance in that place. <laughs> May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be aligned with you, Yah, my rock and my Having prayed together in a Jewish framework, there's a custom to recite words that are referred to as the mourner's kaddish. Uh, it's on the inside of the last page. Then, uh, there's a custom for those uh, who are directly mourning uh, uh, a rel- uh, an immediate relative, a parent or a child or a sibling, uh, to say these words. Uh, and some people have the custom, uh, anybody who'd like to rise can stand up to say these words. If you're remembering somebody uh, who's not here, uh, I happen to be saying Kaddish for my mother, who passed away last September. Uh, are there other people who are actually saying Kaddish for somebody in particular right now? Yeah, who you're saying Kaddish for? For Yeah. What her name? My mother, and my mother's name was Eunice. And uh, 
it's important to mention the name because here we're uh, here we're saying that uh, we're going to make reference in a moment the, the refrain that everybody calls out Yehoshmei Rabba uh, made the great name that the great name is that is that name which includes everything so these names of the people we just heard they're all still part of the great name of being of being unfolding their presence is still reverberating through the universe uh, in a never-ending process. And we're just acknowledging that. So, anybody who wants to say the words can say them together. Yitzgadal, Yitzgadal, Shemei Maha, Yama, Yipra, Yirute, Yamlit, Mahute, Yachaye, Yom Echon, Yachaye, Yachal, Yachal, So, good morning, everybody. We're going to go to breakfast now. We'll come back here at uh, 9.45, so an hour and 15 minutes. At 9.45, I'll give some more, ba- more of the basic practice instructions for the meditation practice. Uh, there'll be a question and answer period a little bit before lunch. We'll also keep eating meditation before lunch. Uh, so, for now, when you eat, though, keep paying attention, see what it's like to experience the meal. So the practice now pay attention moment by moment by what's unfolding now. Now what's unfolding. Now what's it like? What thoughts are happening? What sensations are arising? Jen, anything else we need to know before we go to breakfast? Okay. So have a good breakfast. We'll be back to nine forty five. Somebody's gonna ring a bell, I'm sure, before that.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.